So uh, there's a couple of things that you'll notice this morning. There's only Rick and I here, and um, well, I mean, y'all are here. But uh, there's a couple of reasons for that, and there's a couple of things that I think are interesting. So Jen is supposed to be playing keys and, and singing, and she's sick. So we're going to pray for her this morning. And uh, Juliet's been gone for three days down in Durant doing some stuff. And um, so we didn't know exactly what time she was going to get back. But uh, there's some interesting things that I think I see now this morning. One is that uh, whenever any part of the church is not healthy, it hurts everybody else. That's one thing. Because worship's not going to sound as good today without Jen. Um, But then the second thing is that um, biblically and scripturally, we know that even if we were to shut up, that the rocks would cry out. So creation is singing praise to the God that we're going to sing to. And so I think it's beautiful that there's a both and, that today we're going to be not quite what we could be, but we're still going to have worship. We're still going to have breath in our lungs, and we're going to still sing, and we're going to praise. But what we do with that song and that praise is going to be not up to what comes off of this stage and out of those speakers. It's going to be what comes out of your heart. And so I think it's a really cool test. I've threatened a lot of times to Juliet to, like, I'm just going to come in here with a guitar and nothing else. We didn't strip it down that much. You're going to have some little background stuff. But... Um, it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. And I think we would all like on paper say it doesn't matter. We can worship God no matter what. We can worship if Brent's guitar's out of tune or if he's got a cold or if he's just off or whatever. But we would all say that. But then when we actually do it, it's the actual test. And so then it's like, well, without the full band and without all the all of the melodic stuff, how do we do? So I don't know. But it doesn't really matter. It's just something worth pointing out today. So if you could, let's stand and let's pray. I want to start by praying for Jen since she is at home and since she's not feeling good. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in this house, in this place, with uh, our friends and with our disciples who are trying to do our best to follow you. And I pray this morning as we're probably missing multiple people that I don't know about. Uh, Actually, Juliet just told me that Harley is sick also, Harley and Alana. So this morning, the few people that I know about, Harley and Alana and Jen, we lift them up in a prayer agreement. We ask that you would touch their lives and their bodies. We know that you're powerful. We know that you're capable. And so we align our faith with your power and ask that you would do it that you would make them whole. And as we worship you this morning, God, I just pray that we would do it with sincerity, that we would do it with purity of heart. And we ask that as these notes are played and these uh, melodies are sang, that you would be pleased. We know that you are from Scripture. We just pray it would be a a pleasing um, sound to your ears, and we love you so much. In your name I pray. Amen.
sing your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road that leads to life, and I want to be on it. Narrow road, but the mercy is wide. Cause you're good on your promise. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. spoke and the chaos fell in line I know cause I've seen it in my life it's a narrow road that leads to life but I want to be on it yeah it's a narrow road and the tide is high and you're part in the water I'll take you at your word If you said it, I believe it I've seen how good it works You started, you'll complete it I'll take you at your word If you said it, I believe it I've seen how good it works if you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Cause you're good on your promise. You're good on your promise. So faithful. You said your love would never give up. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart would never forget or forsake me. You said I'm safe. You call me yours. You said my future's full of your hope. You never fail, so I know that you'll never fail me. You said your love would never give up. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart would never forget or forsake me. You said I'm safe. You call me yours. You said my future's full of your hope. You've never failed, so I know that you'll never fail me. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Because you're good on your promise you're good on your promise
For you, Lord. 
this morning that nothing satisfies. We can try and we can strive and we can look for those things. But it's no use the way that you set it up. Our peace, our joy, our life is in you. So would you help us to Learn that with more and more trust. Would you continue to guide us with your grace when we forget? Would you help us to figure this out together as a body? I thank you for the simplicity simplicity of the gospel that um, you call us to trust in you like a father and so this morning as part of our trust church we uh, we invite you to give um, give your financial resources and partner with what God is doing in this house we've got the buckets up here at the front we're going to sing one more song and you are Welcome to bring your gifts. During that song, and we've got the green box at the back that you can use, and we've got the uh, app as well that you can give. There's no shortage of ways to give. And I think um, Claire and I were talking about worship because I, I asked Claire if she wanted to sing with me this morning, and she wasn't quite ready. You know, and she did what I would expect any child that's 10 to do. 
maybe even what I expect all y'all adults to do. She's like, oh, I don't think I want to do that because people might, they might think something about me or they might, they might, I might not be good enough. And so it was great. We got to have an opportunity to talk about the purpose of worship. And I don't know how many mistakes I've made so far, but I'm not counting. And I don't care what you think because I have learned, um, I didn't always know this, but I have learned that it isn't about what it sounds like. It's about the motivation. And we see that when Jesus um, points out the widow who came and gave a very, very small, meagerly little gift. And her gift was greater in the eyes of the kingdom than the person who came out of the wrong motivation. So this morning, I would just challenge us as we give anything, whether we give our voice, whether we give an instrument, whether we give money, that we would challenge our motivation, that we would always be mindful. Because he doesn't really... He wants us to partner with him, but he can move mountains, so he's not interested in gifts that come out of an ill motivation. I think he called that out all the time in scripture. So, but you're welcome to give um, during this last song. You are. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high, hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ our King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. Your sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of You are faithful, you are faithful, 
good So wonderful, so powerful you are Saying death could not hold, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are. kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a powerful name it Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus One more time What a powerful name it is The name of What a powerful name it is. I, I recognized a few years ago that, that we got to where we didn't say the name Jesus as much as we did in the past, in decades past. Um, and I wonder if there's a concerted effort of the enemy just to us to not want to say that name be ashamed of it like it's archaic or that that's somehow old-fashioned just to say the name Jesus but there's so much power in it um, if you ever find yourself in a place where you're 
where you're tempted, just saying the name Jesus breaks the power of Satan over us to to mess with our minds. That there, so when we sing, what a powerful name it is, it really does have that kind of power. Saying the name of Jesus gets rid of bad spirits. Um, so we sing these words sometimes, and maybe not thinking about them, but it literally has power over our minds and over and over our thoughts and 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 can shut out the devil speaking to us when Jesus talks about the shepherd the good shepherd he says we recognize his voice and that the voice of another we will not hear that's one of the ways you get rid of the devil's voice and be, go ahead and be seated amen um, I felt I felt led to just share that practical word and um, Yvonne came up and said I stand with you whatever it is and so that was a confirmation Um, we we're in an interesting season with all the activities going on that we have in summer normal things with lake stuff vacation stuff and all those things and so um, I want to encourage you at, for being here and in being here and um, just and tell you what an encouragement it is for me, for you to be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in this morning. Um, I want to remind you of a couple of announcements. To me, the biggest announcement is the last Sunday of this month. It is going to be an awesome time of fellowship and worship in an unusual kind of, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. For one thing, we're going to be uh, we're going to be dedicating ourselves to helping raise about a half a dozen kids. Um, we've got I, I, we've got a bunch of babies that have been born in just the last few months, um, and so we're going to do those baby what is for us a normal thing a, a baby dedication, but so, some extra kids added into that just because. And it's not we're. We're not doing something with the kids. We're really doing more with ourselves, a commitment to help uh, parents raise their children uh, in the Lord and in the church and and the impact that that has on them. Uh, and I think it's important now more than ever. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But um, the other thing is that, let me, let me look at my thing. For one thing, uh, unity in the community the, the annual summer celebration that we have with a lot of the churches in the community. And this year, there are even more churches involved. I want to encourage you in that. And if you want to get a t-shirt, because we do some service stuff, if you want to get a t-shirt, next Sunday is the last Sunday to, for your order and to have your money in. And Pam will be taking it up this next Sunday uh, because, teen, because Tina, she's shaking her head at me. I've I've worked this all out. I'm right this time. This time I'm right. Um, Miss Tina is going to be out of town for next weekend. She'll be traveling to to Nebraska for a funeral. So remember her as she travels and and her family to have peace during all that. Um, And that is in the third week in August, weekend in August, Saturday. Jubilee is 
also, we're kicking off Jubilee the last Sunday of this month, too. It's added into all the stuff that we're going to do. We're going to have dinner on the grounds that day. We're going to play some games outside. If it's not a million degrees, like if it's if it's less hot than the sun is, we're going to do that. Um, but it's also that week is the is Jubilee, the week that follows that, and uh, and we'll be talking more about that. And if you're able to go. If you're able to run down, and I say run down, it takes about two and a half hours to get there. But um, I'm used to, I can drive that road asleep. Uh, I don't recommend, don't you drive it asleep. And I very seldom am actually sleeping when I drive it. But it's a short trip down there for one night to see what it looks like for us, we who are one church in 10 or 11 locations, for us to be all in one location at the same time is, an, is a neat experience. And our, um, our kids and, and a lot of us know, are familiar with those from other campuses. Pam and I came from the Roundwood campus in Central Texas where we were for nine years or, or more. Uh, and we'll get to see all of them like family. And so I encourage you to try to do that, even if you can just do it one night. All right? I want you to take five, and we'll be back in here for uh, a message that I believe is a word of God for today. One, two, three, break. Good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning, and I mean that. Let's just leave those doors open. For, I can, I'll still be talking to people that are sitting out in the hall. Y'all, and I'm talking to you guys out there. Um, I often don't have a title to my sermon, but today I do. Uh, it's the difference between being and doing. The difference between being and doing. There was a sermon that I heard oftentimes in, in the past that had to do with uh, Frank Sinatra's The Meaning of Life, which was doobie doobie doo. Um, he actually had that in several songs, Frank Sinatra. And... Um, there was there were sermons that revolved around you need to do to be or something like that, which was an odd um, message, and I I don't think it's right. And it's important what we say, how we talk about things. Um, and as an example of that, I'm going to tell you a story about a lady that I, uh, she was the first lady that came to me because word got around that I had taken some training in hypnosis when I was in my graduate program. And um, this lady comes and she said, I heard, you were, I heard you were taking hypnosis training. Could you help me to stop smoking? And... Um, I said, I can, well, let me work on that and see about that. And so uh, I did some research on, and that seems too loud. I'm hearing myself back too heavy. Um, I 
did some research on kind of what works best and discovered that almost any kind of almost any kind of hypnosis that you did worked about 30% of the time, but so does keeping a nickel in your pocket and rubbing it every time. I mean, there's some things that work just, you know, at a low percentage of the time, but I came up with this thing that worked that I thought might work. So I tried it with her, um, worked with her. And, uh, at the, at the end of that, she said, well, I've got a package of cigarettes in my purse. What do I do with those? I said, it doesn't matter. You keep them in your purse. She said, well, are you sure? I'm afraid I'll smoke them. I said, no, you won't. And um, I said, you can't get far away from cigarettes to, I mean, they're at every place that you stop to get gas and uh, every convenience store. They're no no more than just five minutes away, no matter what you do. And so she kept them in her purse. She said about six months later, she got up in the middle of the night and was making herself a cup of coffee. Now, if I make myself coffee at night to help me go to sleep, yeah, that doesn't work. But that's what she did. She gets up and she puts puts coffee on the stove and turns around to look for her cigarettes because that's just kind of um, 40 years of smoking. That's her rhythm. Do that and turn around and get a cigarette. And then you got a cigarette in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other. It's just the balance of things. And she said to herself, what? She said, what am I doing? I don't smoke. And she said that it was just the most amazing revelation to her. Because she said, I didn't mean I don't smoke anymore. She said, in my mind, what I thought was, I, I don't smoke like I never smoked. Like, I'm a person who doesn't smoke. What am I doing? The change in her belief about who she was because of the things that she was saying had fundamentally changed not just her behavior, but it changed who she was to where she saw herself as a non-smoker. And that was part of the whole deal. Um, it was in the hypnosis stuff that we did, it was talking about the words that we have and the beliefs that we create because of those words. For instance, one of the things, and that I, I'm telling you all this so that you understand how important words are. One of the things that we talked about was how many people don't quit smoking and I'm not I'm not jumping on anybody about smoking I'm talking about behaviors and things you want to change when many people who smoke say that they can't quit smoking or they'll gain weight and that means somehow in your head you've turned around that it's for my health that I'm smoking it's for my better health Uh, I keep my weight off by I mean how crazy that is and that's like a child that comes to you and says yeah, I'd like to drink the Drano underneath the sink. Would that be okay? And then they try to convince you, no, it's okay, because it's almost like it's almost like a coconut uh, snow cone. It's blue. It's just like that. It, and I'm I'm pretty sure it'd be awesome to to drink that stuff, to drink the Drano. That's how crazy our thinking is when we try to talk ourselves into things. That there's good reasons to do things for the bad behavior that that we do. And my point is 
that how we talk about things matters. The words we use matter. The things we say to ourselves and others matters. Um, and here's why, uh, and here's part of why I'm talking about this. And I'm, look, I'm looking out at parents that we have here and I want to stress how important this is because there are leftist ideas about behavior that are so dangerous right now because there's a contention, there is a philosophy, a way of thinking about things that says we are, we fundamentally are things that used to just be viewed as a behavior. I'm not going to get into specifics on that, but there are things that used to be stuff that you did, a behavior that you engaged yourself into, but now it is part of your identity and who you are. And, and partly in, with critical theory, some of the reasons for talking a lot about your identity is to separate us into groups so that you can identify who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And who are the people that need protecting and all those kind of things. But they have conflated, they've, they've mixed together behavior and being to the extent that, um, that it's an extreme, extreme danger, I say. So just as important as the behavior of the lady that was a smoker and that she became a non-smoker to the effect that she became like I mean, this is a lady who smoked for over 40 years and she came to identify as a person who n never smoked in her head and the power that that had over who she was and how she controlled a behavior that she wanted to be in control of. Uh, That's why it's, the left has chosen to control words. Re, they've redefined certain words and it's because language is important. Um, as I've illustrated in a, at least one example so far. I want to, one of the... I love this 12-step program, and there are a lot of ways that, that it's been effective in helping people uh, to control certain kinds of behaviors, fr from drinking to uh, being caught up in emotional life and, and recovering from past trauma. The 12-step program has been awesome, but there's one of, one of the problems that I have with it is the language that they use. Uh, and because in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is one of the, which is the original 12-step program, in Alcoholics Anonymous, speeches start off this way. Hello, I'm Bill, and I'm an alcoholic. Every time someone speaks, that's the way they start their talk. And there's two or three talks every night, and every single person begins the same way. I, hello, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic.
And I've confronted people with that talk because you'll, you'll meet a person that is 20 years sober and still says, I'm an alcoholic. Now, I understand that they have to, uh, in order to maintain their sobriety, they may have to avoid that forever and make sure that they have control of it. But the idea that I am something that was a behavior, a behavior that they don't even have anymore, and they still identify themselves as that behavior. I am an alcoholic. And the problem with that is you, you're, in your brain, you're still t- telling yourself that it has control over you. And the power that that la- if that lady says, I am Pat and I am a cigarette smoker. And if she said that the rest of her life, guess what she would be doing right now? She'd still be smoking. She identified herself as a non-smoker so much so that she said, I knew I would never smoke again because it was like I'd never smoked. I never had before. Um, her husband, Bill, came to me and he quit smoking for about nine months. And then one day he just started smoking again. He said, I knew I'd go back to smoking because he said, I knew it was different from her. Um, okay, this talk is why it's so important that we don't say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Growing up in the church that I grew up in, that was a, that was a consistent way of talking about yourself. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And there was a focus on how much Jesus did for you on the cross. But that's leaving out the most important thing that Jesus did for us on the cross, which was change who we are. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Nicodemus and uh, the woman at the well. And what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He, he said, you have to be born again. Born again signifies that you're, I mean, you're brand new. How many, how, how many of y'all know a baby that's born smoking? I, I know some babies born of people who smoke, but even those babies don't come out smoking. That, so that baby, when they're born, it, they have never have been a smoker. That's the, that's the idea for who we are and that we are no longer a sinner when we're born again. Does a, is a baby born sinning? Now, we can go into that whole sin nature thing and all that stuff, but we're not going to go there. That, ba- that baby is not sinning when they're born. Um, so, the idea that we're just a sinner is wrong. Scripture uh, is against all of that. We talked about 2 Corinthians five seventeen last week. I said that that's probably a refrigerator magnet that you have on your on your refrigerator, uh, has butterflies on it. I guarantee 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation, brand new. And this lady that had stopped smoking, essentially that's what she was. She had in her, the way she talked and in the way she thought about things, she had become a brand new creation. She was a creation who had never smoked before in, in how she thought 
and that had an impact on how she behaved. So in Romans chapter six, our first scripture for today. Um, let me just, I'll read it for you. How about that? Since we're not gonna have it up there. Um, we had some computer problems this morning. Uh, there was apparently an update. So you might check your MacBooks and when you get home. Um, Romans chapter six, starting with verse six, it says, we know that our old, and this is, out, this is the uh, New Living Translation. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. And Paul has, a, he's, it, it is the most interesting, Romans is the most interesting scripture from a developmental standpoint. It looks like a lawyer's courtroom tactic for laying out his case. That's how, that's how structured uh, Romans is. And so Paul says, our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. This picture uh, that, that of, of something that dies, and Paul talked about this in baptism. He said we, we, we die with Christ to, and we're raised to new life. Um, and he has that picture of what baptism looks like. And it looks like how we baptize people today, and similar to how they were probably baptizing people in the New Testament. Um, the picture is the same as the picture with Nicodemus of being born again. But he's talking about we die and then we're raised to a, to a new life. Um, for, we, uh, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. And death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Once he had died, he couldn't even sin anymore. Now before that, Jesus could have sinned. But he overcame, but he did not. He overcame sin by not giving into it. And once he's dead, then he can't sin anymore. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And so do we. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Um, I was in the elevator with Andrew Womack one time and a lady was asking, she said, I just can't get a victory over this one sin in my life. And she said, I want to know what the secret is. And he said, well, the secret for me is I'm dead. <laughs> I, I can't sin anymore. That person, that sinner is dead. I mean, she was looking for some, this, some kind of secret. And he says, it's pretty simple. I'm, that sinner is dead and doesn't sin anymore. Uh, any more than if you dig somebody up out of the cemetery, they're not sinning anymore, are they? And that's the picture that Paul paints of, of, of being in a position where that behavior doesn't have any more power over you. 
That's why it's important, the words that we use and how we conceive of the power that Satan has over us. Just by the way, Satan is not a, the opposite of God. He doesn't have the power that God has. He can't read your mind. So only the things that you say, does he, only by that does he know what you're thinking, which is why you should say things about being strong and not being weak, by the way. He, he doesn't know what you're thinking. He can't, he can't be all places at one time. God, the devil is not the anti-God, the opposite of God. Uh, so we should never give him that power. That's another reason why the words that we say are important. Don't ever give the devil more power than he has. And this is where this whole, I'm moving towards the reason why I think this is so important. Especially for our group. And if anybody's listening anywhere else, I hope they're hearing what I'm saying right now. That's why we need to be careful how we label our kids, or our spouse, or other people who are important to us, especially when we're upset or disappointed in them. Um, parents, if your kid is never a bad kid, that is not who they are. They may do bad things, and they may be extremely aggravating, and their behavior may be very, very bad, but they're never a bad kid. That's, that's one of the things that I struggled with when I did uh, consulting with the schools for, for several years, was how teachers would talk about, th- that kid's just a bad kid, and that was wrong, because um, we don't have bad kids. Furthermore, you also don't have a bad spouse. Your spouse is not bad. They may do bad things too, but um, they're not a bad spouse. And it's important what you, how you speak about them. I've often, one of the exercises that I, I started to say exorcisms that I do with the couples in counseling. Um, one of the exercises that I do with couples in counseling is I have them grade their spouse. I said, I just want you to give your spouse a grade right now. And, and we... And they go, what, F, D, you know, some failing grade. But I'm, keep in mind, I'm talking to them when they're not, usually not happy with each other. Um, I'm, I'm talking to them in a crisis situation usually. And I say, okay, hold on. Now let's talk about how we grade. I said, when a teacher, a second grade teacher has a math test and they have 20 questions and they're, they go through uh, and they're grading that thing, then uh, they go, I said, here's one teacher. One teacher says, yeah, okay, check, check, check. Oh, that's good, check, check, check. X. Oh, they moved, they may want it. They missed this one. How can they miss that? I've taught that a million times. And they go through and they, they finally get control of themselves and they keep going great and check, 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 check. X. Oh my gosh, there's another X and they're so upset. And they get to the end of that test, and there's 20 questions, and they've missed two. So what's the grade? That's 90%. So that's an A, A minus, whatever. And so I look at this couple as I'm explaining this, and they kind of, they kind of get deflated a little bit. Well, all right. And, uh, invariably, 
always, if you look at if all the things as a whole, then yeah, I guess they're a B, an A minus or a B. That there's a few things that I'm not happy about with my spouse, but overall, things are okay. That's one of the things I talk about kind of early on because that's the only, you have to get to that place where you can even be in your right mind and, and be able to work on things together. And that leads to the next step. Um, that, I'm going to change this slightly. Okay. In the Net Bible, the, um, the New English Translation, Romans 4.17 says this. It says, uh, As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. Talking about Abraham. He, and this is Romans 4, so it's two chapters before what I just read. I've made you the father of many nations. He's our father in the presence of God whom he believed, in whom he believed. The God who makes the dead alive... This is talking about Abraham. Abraham believed that God is the God who makes the dead alive and summons the things that do not exist as though they already do. In the King James, you might recognize, he uh, says, call them things which be not as though they were. And I, I want you to think about that. Call them things which be not. In the flesh, in the, in the material world that we live in, These things do not exist. God calls them that way. They don't exist, but he calls them the name that they are as though they already exist, as though they do exist. And when I'm working with couples, I say, you need to call your spouse what you're believing for. You need to call them things which be not as though they were. You need to say, I've got a good husband. I, and, and you may talk about some of the things that are good about them. You, you need to say, I, I've, got a, I've got a good wife. And this is why. And you talk about those things. But even though you're not, you may not even be seeing what you want to see yet, you, you activate your faith by saying, I'm believing this about my spouse the same is true with your kids. I don't want to see a show of hands or any, anything, but how many of you have ever been frustrated with your kids at, at a behavior that you saw? But how many times have we made statements about it as if they were the things that are? It's a behavior. And I guarantee that 90% of the behaviors that your child has when they're nine or 19, they're not going to have when they're 29 or 39. Their behaviors and those things pass and behaviors change unless you make a statement about who they are based on those behaviors. That's why the leftist idea about a behavior is, and I mean, this could be about all kinds of things. It could be about a learning disability. I have, a, I have a learning disability. I'm extremely ADD, and y'all have seen that before. Um, 
but that doesn't, that, even that doesn't define who I am, even though it is a thing that is kind of in there. It affects my behavior sometimes, but I've overcome a lot of those things with learning different tools and ways to overcome that. It can be about sexual orientation. It can be about um, having an addiction to one thing or something else. Those are not who we are. Their behaviors. And as parents, as spouses, every time I hear spouses, I think mouses. And the, the, the plural of mouse is mice. And I always want to say spice if we're talking about more than one spouse. Anyway, sorry, that was an ADD moment. Um, at least I've controlled my hyperactivity. As I get older. Um, If we have to put a label on, especially people, let's put the label on them that God puts on them. Uh, When we sing that song, I'll take you at your word. Whatever God's word says, let's take our people, even ourselves, let's take them at God's word and say what he said about them. Second Corinthians five. Okay. I quoted second Corinthians five seventeen already. A couple, three verses later, second Corinthians five verse 21 says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's Jesus. Jesus became sin for us so that we can have a different name. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how God sees us. God doesn't see me as just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not that anymore. I'm a new creation. Uh, three, uh, Three verses earlier it says I'm a new creation. I've been changed the same way that a butterfly's... That a... uh, worm a caterpillar is changed into a butterfly the word is the exact same thing um the same way that change has happened i've been changed from what i used to be a sinner to righteous righteous in christ and paul has so uh, i it, we don't have enough time for me to go through all the ways that Paul talks about how the change is made and all the different examples that he has. One of them is that we're reconciled to him, that we are, um, and, the book, and the word, the reconcile, is like when we reconcile our checkbook um, from the bank and we get the balance and do all that kind of stuff and, and we make sure we balance the same as the bank. Otherwise, we go and take hours to find those two pennies uh, the difference between us and the bank, and it, Pam does that anyway. I don't do that. I figure two pennies, I just pull it out of my pocket and I put it in there. Um, so that's what the reconciled looks like. It means that, that, that whatever the two pennies is, it's been wiped out. Another word Paul uses is Justified. He justifies the books that, that he pays whatever the, the difference is. 
and makes it like there was no difference. He makes it, and I grew up, one, there are some good things I got out of the church I grew up in. Justified is just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way God sees me now. Just like I never sinned. Just like I never smoked. Just like I never did any kind of behaviors that are not a part of who I am anymore. Paul says that when you realize that, same thing that Andrew Womack said, when you realize that, you, you don't have, it doesn't have any power over you anymore. That your, that your behavior changes in such a way that you don't ever go back to that. Of course, in James chapter 3, y'all can go read that. The power of the tongue. He says that it's like the, a tiny little, the curve in the bit in a horse's mouth. And now you can control that whole horse with that bit, theoretically at least. Uh, I've seen it work. And uh, certainly a trained horse does that. If you've got a bucking wild horse, well, you're never going to get that bit. It, never, I'm sorry, that's an ADD again. He says you can control that horse with just that little bit. He says like, and the rudder on a ship, a giant ship. I've told about the Bismarck before. Uh, the famous German battleship that within uh, a day, it sunk two British ships and, um, and the, hood, the HMS Hood sank in like five minutes. One or two people survived. Uh, it sank so fast. Um, the, the rudder on that ship was hit with a World War I torpedo that it just hit the rudder just right and that ship could not turn anymore. And so it had to go just in these circles for a few days until it was bombed to smithereens and it sits at the bottom of the Atlantic even today. The power of the tongue is just like all these seemingly little things, but the power they have over us and how much our our mouth and the things that we say and the, the words that we speak over people, the power that they have and to be able to tame the tongue and change the way we talk about things is probably the one, one of the most important things that we can do in our Christian life to being more effective is taking over the words in our mouth, taking over the words in, even in society that we, because those words that are being spoken over your children, if you're, especially if your children are in school. And we've got a great school. I'm not saying anything bad about our school here. But in the media and all the other places, in the books that they're reading, in social media, there are things that are being spoken of over them that are damaging. As damaging as anything... Uh, James talks about in chapter 3 of his book. Because with that same tongue, we can call them things which be not as though they were. So we can either use our tongue in a positive way or use it in a negative way, and I encourage you to use it in a positive way, and even to take over the words that are being hijacked to where it's hard, even words don't even mean the same thing they meant just 10 years ago. Words are meaning different things. So over our children, especially. And as we look forward to these baby dedications, I want us to think even just about the words that we say about them. Over our kids and the words that we speak even to our, 
even if we never, they never come out of our mouth, they never even need to come into our consciousness. We never even need to think them. And when we think them, t- tell the devil he's a liar. Uh, because uh, we are in a fight for our culture right now. And I, uh, I agonize for our children all the time. Uh, and by children, I mean three-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 20-year-olds, all of, all of the kids that are growing up in the crazy world that we're growing up in. But our words, what we speak over ourselves and over our families. Amen. Um, I, I hope that you can go ahead and come on if you want to. I hope that, I know that God's word, anytime it's ever brought forth, the word itself says it can't come back. Nothing. So I know that if I've brought scripture if I brought God's word to us, that it, there's always a positive impact. So I never doubt that. I doubt sometimes that my wandering mind may not communicate some of the things that I want to communicate. But I'm all, I am faithful and believe that as long as God's word is, is brought forth, that there's power in that. And that, that you've got what you came here for. Um, but I hope that this morning that I've that I have inspired your thinking to control how you think about words and, and the things that we hear that we need to call out especially for our kids Josh and I were talking about this earlier uh, that when you're when we're thrown into situations where we uh, where we know this stuff isn't right he said we can't avoid those because it's part of being in the world but not of the world and he, he said the, uh, the only thing that you can do is have a discussion with your kids about you know, we know that that's not that that's not right these people are bound up in, in their behavior a, a sinful behavior but it doesn't mean that we get to hate them because Jesus loves them we're always bound to love them like Jesus loves them even when they obviously something we don't agree with even if they hate us we don't get to hate them back and it doesn't matter what they are it doesn't matter whether their behavior is uh, something that deviates from what we consider Christ-like behavior. It doesn't matter if they're of, of some uh, race or from some country that we disagree with their political ideology or even that has a, a central ideology that is hateful. We don't get to hate them back. We don't get to do anything but love them. That's a hard thing. And the the best you can do is talk to them about it. Just encourage them.
to not ever let that come up because that's the devil. I'm going to pray for us and we'll be dismissed. If you have anything you need prayed for, if you if you want to share a, a struggle that your kids are having, I'd encourage you to come talk to me. I may not have an answer. I'll sure encourage you. But I may be able to even find somebody that can help you in the situation that you're in. Somebody with experience at that. So let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for our families, for for the people that we live with in our house. And we thank you for our church family, people that are like-minded and in this community and that we that we get to partner with in trying to manifest the kingdom here in Chandler, Oklahoma. Thank you for for those connections and relationships that we have. And Father, as we speak over them, even sometimes calling things which be not as though they are, Father, encourage us, manifest those things in our lives and our families' lives. And I pray that even in this week to come, there will be, be moments in days to come where we recognize when, where we recognize a wrong way of thinking about a behavior that is nothing more than that. It is not the, something that is. It's not a state of being. It's just a behavior. I pray that we'll recognize that and speak life over it. I pray that every, everywhere our foot falls, when, whether we're doing sports or school stuff or work stuff or, or family things or, or shopping at Walmart, I pray that everywhere that our foot falls, that we'll bring life into those situations, that we'll bring the love of Jesus into those situations. Father, you've empowered us to be Jesus in those situations body of Christ in this world today. Bless us as we go from here to just be that. Be that kind of a blessing to others. Show us ways that we can even help someone physically in the moment. And and do what you would be doing in a situation. Because we want to bring you glory all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.